Amen. Praise the Lord. Um, it's good to be back. Um, I know your pastor and several uh, members of the church are out of town, and they're obviously in Israel. Well, our, we are all aware of that. Um, so Pastor Rigo called me, and he asked me to, to cover one of the weeks uh, which he'll be out. Um, next week, uh, I'm going to be sharing in my church, and I haven't actually shared it with her for like three weeks, so I could not miss next week, so I decided to be here this week. That being said, Pastor Miguel Taveras, uh, the bishop from the Dominican Republic, is currently at, at, at my church right now. He's sharing the word of God over there. So I encourage you to take a listen to it on the app. Um, just uh, to speak a little bit about his, the convention as well, uh, I heard the brother share about you know, the, the announcement that he gave. And I, I, I want to uh, fall in line with that and just encourage you, uh, you know, not to make an effort to be there, but to be there. This is our convention. It's not the Ways Convention, it's Miami's Convention. And your participation there will dictate what feel New Life adds to the Miami Convention. I don't want the convention to be about the Way Miami, because it's not about the Way Miami. This is about Miami's Convention. This is our convention. It's going to be held at, at the Way Miami, just logistically, it worked out best this year. But please, be there. I'm, I'm not encouraging you to make an effort. No, you need to be there. This is your convention. And the first meeting is going to be Friday, the second meeting for the leaders. And I encourage all members, I'm encouraging all the members of all our churches to be there. Because God has called us to be the head and not the tail. We're supposed, all, all supposed to be leaders in different departments, in different areas. But it's going to be Saturday morning. We're going to have Bishop Tom Klasner share on Saturday morning as well as uh, Bishop David Barlock is going to be sharing. Um, we're probably going to start about 10 and be out of there by noon. Um, then we have a, an evening meeting, and then Sunday we're going to break up, and, and Pastor uh, Rafi Lisiet is going to be sharing here on Sunday morning, and uh, Bishop Milton Granham is going to be sharing at our place on Sunday morning. And uh, just to speak a little bit about the people that are visiting, um, just to give you an idea, I didn't even think that was 40 miles. Is it 40 miles from here to, to the way? That sounds like a lot. I made it like in 30 minutes. I, I think I'm... Oh, all right. I was like, wow, that's, that's a long way. But for, even if it was 40 miles, listen to this. We got people coming from Eurexville, Ohio, McConnellsville, Ohio. Okay? We got people coming from Chicago. We got uh, visitors from representing nine churches in Puerto Rico. People are traveling thousands of miles to be at our convention. Regardless of what's going on, we, we as a whole need to separate the time to be there we need to make sure that we're going to receive from God, and we also need to be a blessing to those people who are coming in. People are coming back because of what they remember in 2009. And maybe you weren't around in 2009, maybe you were. But the point is, make an impact now so people would want to come back. There are people who are saying, I'm not missing this convention. People are pushing for this convention outside of the, the churches in Miami. Not that we're not, but there are people from the outside pushing for our convention. So please, be there, and, and make sure you make this your convention. Let your presence be felt. I encourage you all to do so, okay? All right. Praise the Lord. Uh, by the way, uh, there's going to be a pastor who's going to be sharing. Uh, he's going to be the keynote speaker. He's going to be sharing Saturday night and Sunday morning at, at The Way. Um, I can't say this enough when I say to you that there is not a doubt in my mind that that man is going to bring a word that's going to forever transform your life. I heard him preach in Ohio, and 
the way God used that man to speak such a profound word on such a simple scripture, it changed me. And the moment I heard him preach, I said to myself, I don't know when we're going to have convention, but that man has to be at our convention. And the moment the, past, the local pastors uh, finalized the date for convention, he was the first person I called. He's not part of our council, but that shouldn't matter. But that goes to show you what a word that man shared. So I encourage you to be there and, and just get ready to have God's word uh, transform your lives. Okay? Amen. A couple weeks ago, I noticed that uh, Pastor Rigo shared uh, a message on greatness. And um, to be honest with you, when I saw that, my, my spirit rejoiced. Because of this, God has placed that same word, that same thought upon my heart. And it's been almost a year now. And it came about in, in, in a message that I was sharing at church. And in that message, I realized that, that nowadays so many people are caught up with, with numbers. And don't get me wrong, I want to see my church full every Sunday. Uh, it's great to come to church. I know people are out now, so this is not applicable for today. But I, isn't it great to come to church on Sunday and know that, that the church is full and, and people are being touched by God and, and God is adding to the church? That's an awesome thing. And don't get me wrong when I say this because I want people to come to my church as well. I want to see churches worldwide be filled with people. But God showed me this. And, he, and he, he showed me the importance of not focusing necessarily on numbers. And in my message, I said the following phrase, and I didn't have it in my notes, but when I said it, I saw Pastor Leo jump in his chair, and he said to me after the service, man, that was awesome, that's what we need to do. And you know how Pastor Leo is. And uh, the phrase was this, I don't want to be big, I want to be great. And initially when I said that, it wasn't on my notes. I wasn't preaching on greatness. When I saw Pastor Leo just react that way, and when it came out of my mouth, I knew that that was something that the Holy Spirit had placed upon my heart. And I had to be true to that, that thought. And, and it's become a conviction in my life uh, over the past year. So much so that, that it has become the vision for the way Miami, and it is committed to greatness. And uh, when Pastor Rigo uh, shared with me that he was going to be sharing this message, I said to him, please, leave me something to say because when I go to your church, I, I need to share on this. I, I, it's something that God has placed on my heart. So he, he I don't know if, if some of the things I'm going to be saying he covered or not, but please just uh, not, nod your head politely and receive it uh, for the first time today, if you would. So I'm going to take the opportunity to share this word. Uh, that has changed not only my perspective, but my expectation. My expectation for God, my expectation for myself, and my expectation for the church at large. Um, as you may or may not know, I hold the position in our council as a regional supervisor, and I travel to many churches. And I told the Lord, when you give me a word that's not just for my church, but to the church at large, I'm going to share it at those places. And this is one of them. And uh, when I came here in January, um, God had already been speaking that to me, but I didn't share that word here. And I said to the Lord, it just wasn't the opportunity. I, I felt okay with not sharing that. But again, when I saw Pastor Rigo uh, share on that, I said, my time has come to share this word with your people. 
so as, as sure as I stand before you today, I'm convinced of several things. But one of the things I'm convinced of is that God calls us, God has separated us, and God has destined his people for greatness. Now, you might have a concept or idea of greatness that goes along with pride, but I'm telling you today that is a lie of the devil. That is false humility, and that is in a way to hide yourself and disguise yourself in timidness and in fear. And I'm here to tell you, and you may not believe it, but there is no one who is more timid than me. Before the Holy Spirit filled my life, I was terrified of public speaking, of even sharing Christ one-on-one. -on -one. But the moment the Holy Spirit came in me, He changed me. He made me a different person. And I've been growing in His Spirit ever since. And my plans are to continue to grow in His Spirit until the day He comes to rescue my soul. But there's so many things about God that, that we... We dilute, we distort because of our perception, because of our characters, because of the church today, because of what we see on television. And I am convinced that in these days, all God wants to do is reveal more of himself to his people. Do you know that who God is? He's still showing us who he is. There's not one person sitting or standing here today that knows everything there is to know about God. There is not a human being alive who knows everything there is to know about God. Don't get me wrong, there are foundations and precepts that don't change. Those things are fundamental and they don't change. But who God is, His character, His heart, He's not evolving but he is revealing himself to us as he sees fit. Now, I'd love one day to wake up and God show me and tell me everything there is to know about him. I wish I would wake up one day and have an email from God and tell me, Javi, expect this next month and so on and so forth until the day that you die. I would love that, but it hasn't happened yet. I haven't opened my emails under Pastor Javier and seen God. That hasn't happened. <laughs> There's a call to greatness for those people who believe. And I'm going to ask you to ask yourself today, do you really believe? Do you believe? Do you believe in him? If you believe in him, then there is a call to greatness over your life. Why? Because that's who God is. That's the first concept I want you to realize. For a moment, I don't want you to think about yourself. I don't want you to think about your failures. How many people here have failed? How many people here have limitations? Listen, yesterday we, I performed a wedding for Jessica and Christian. Jessica Kuna, who is uh, just a pillar in our church, my translator, somebody whom over the last 11 years, I mean, God has just done a special work uh, in our lives. I felt like a dad yesterday marrying my daughter. But Jessica asked me to perform the ceremony in Spanish. And I preach in Spanish when I have to, when I go to uh, countries in which their first language is Spanish. Over the years, I've given myself over 
to that. Uh, I'm a, I'm a Cuban-American. My first language is English, but I know how to speak Spanish. And this is what happened to me one time. I was preaching in the Dominican Republic, and uh, I, I think it was about eight years ago. And I had a translator with me. Bishop Leo Gomez was at the convention, and I've translated for him many times. And uh, I said to him, I need, I need you to translate for me. And he said, okay, I'll translate for you. But he says, Javier, you, you, have, good, you have a good Spanish. Your Spanish is good. And I said to him, please don't lie to me. I, I, can, I can carry a conversation, but I'm not going to preach in Spanish. Long story short, I preach my message. But within that message, because I'm in a Spanish country, when, when I veer off my notes, sometimes I would say something in Spanish. And I noticed that the people received it good, in, in a good way. And even if I said a disparate, they, 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 they kind of like said, well, at least he's trying. So when I got off the pulpit, a little old lady, by the way, she's crazy. And I'm not saying, she, no, no, she's nuts. This woman is clinically crazy. She's nuts. Her, I know she's nuts because the first time I met her, I thought this woman's crazy. And the pastor said to me, I apologize for sister so-and-so. She's crazy. So she really is crazy. When I say she's crazy, I'm not, she's nuts. Well, this crazy old lady came up to me, and she's shorter than me, and she put her hands on my shoulder. I'm like, oh, my God, what is happening here? Because you can tell a crazy person from, from a distance. You know, you, you, see, you see when crazy's coming, right? All right. So she's approaching me, and she puts her hands on my shoulders, and I had to bend down a little bit because she, she's basically dangling there. And she says to me, how is it that you come to my country, you know how to speak Spanish, and you rob me of the message of God in Spanish? Listen, God used that crazy woman, and he convicted my heart. And the message was great, and people loved it, and I think to date it's one of the best messages I had preached in the Dominican Republic. But I left there, and I said, I can't, God, I'm, I'm limited. I'm limited. And sometimes we allow our limitations to withhold the move of God over our lives. And I'm telling you, that was eight years ago. For the last seven years, I've been a speaker at the Dominican Republic Convention. And since then, I have preached in Spanish every single message since then. And I gave myself over. I said, Lord, I'm limited, but you're not. Now, granted, there's words that come out of my mouth in those conventions that I know are wrong. And people are there like, okay, well, he said this. It's not even a word, but I know this is what he tried to say. Yesterday, I had to do a ceremony in Spanish. And I was, I, look, weddings for me, I love performing weddings. I love performing a wedding ceremony. But yesterday, in the beginning of that service, I got dry mouth. I, thank God I had Bishop Magdiel there with me. We, we, we did the ceremony together. People told me, I've never seen two pastors uh, perform a ceremony. And it came out spectacular. That being said, when I got down from there, I had people in my church who've never heard me speak in Spanish publicly in a message say to me, Pastor, why don't you preach in Spanish? That was beautiful. I love that. And I'm saying, like, come on. <laughs> what I'm trying to say is that God has a way 
to glorify himself when we throw our limitations aside. God, you, do, you, do you think that God is surprised at our limitations? Do we not know that God is aware of our limitations? But when we cast those limitations aside, when we cast out those past failures, and we allow God to be God, guess what takes place over your life? Greatness. Because God is great. Put yourself aside for a second, because the Bible says this about God. In 1 Chronicles 29, 11, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory, and the majesty. Yours, O Lord. To whom does majesty belong? It belongs to God. To whom does victory belong? It belongs to God. To whom does the glory belong? It belongs to God. To whom does the power belong? It belongs to God. And to whom does the greatness belong? It belongs to God. It is who God is. The Bible declares great is the Lord. Now what amazes me and simultaneously humbles me and empowers me is the fact that God takes of his greatness. It's who God is. It's not God trying to be great. When we hear about greatness, when we hear about power, those are things we aspire to become. We're going towards those things. God is greatness. And what amazes me, what humbles and empowers me, is the fact that God wants to take from his greatness and deposit it in our lives. That's God. Who he is, he longs to deposit who he is in our lives. And if we are his, how many of you know that we're his? That we're called to be his. If we are God and God is in us, then what should be seen in our lives? Mediocrity? No. Greatness. If God is great. If God is great and he longs to deposit himself in us, then we will show the greatness of God. Not the greatness of new life, but the greatness of God. Because when it becomes our greatness and the things that we want to do, we mess things up. It's not the same. I was on my way over here and I saw a billboard and it said, New Life. I said, oh my, New Life Plastic Surgery. <laughs> See, that's how things go when we try to do our things. Not that one is, 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 is uh, associated with the other. But we get this thing where we say, oh, New Life. And we say, ah. Oh. When we try to do things on our own and we throw God there, it's like, God, and then... It's like the, what I had when I, was when I was driving here. I said, wow, new life, plastic surgery. I'm like, man. I started laughing on the way over here because when I saw it, I was like, wow, man, what a way to advertise. I'm like, ah, oh, it's not good. Psalm 21 says, his glory is great in salvation. How many of you here are living out the salvation provided through Jesus Christ? Well, the Bible says his glory is great in salvation. See, sometimes we have this idea when we hear greatness and great things, where we say, no, no, I can't do that because that's pride, and you know my heart will be exalted. 
the psalmist was confident about God's greatness. And in Psalm 71, listen to how he prayed to God. You shall increase my greatness. The psalmist said that. He didn't ask God, God increase my greatness, which there's nothing wrong with that if you would have prayed that way. But the psalmist was confident that God wanted to include his people in his own greatness. And the psalmist said, you shall increase my greatness. Now, i got a question for you today. And believe me, I've had some soul searching over the last year. So don't think I'm preaching at you. But when was the last time you prayed that way? Lord, increase my greatness. But we, we usually don't pray that way, right? Because we're like, no, that's, that's not right. That's in Scripture. The psalmist had a revelation of the greatness of God. Of the greatness of God that was available to him. And he said, Lord, you shall increase my greatness. The same challenge I gave myself many months ago, and the same way I'm challenging my church, I challenge you. I challenge you to start praying that way. Lord, increase my greatness. Because it's so much different. When we pray from the head, when we pray standing on the rock, than when we pray in the cave. And there's times when we're going to have to pray from the cave. You know, when Elijah was in the cave, and the Lord showed up and said, Elijah, what the heck are you doing here? Well, not exactly like that, but he says, what are you doing here? There's times when Elijah, that the Spirit shows up and says to you, what are you doing? Those are those moments we pray from the cave. But listen, those moments are going to take place, but we can't be living life in the cave. We got to live life the way the psalmist did and said, I know you will increase my greatness. So I challenge you today, begin to pray that way. Have that outlook in your life. Have that spiritual authority come over you and know that God is going to. God wants to increase your greatness. Jesus himself said this in the book of John. Truly, truly, I say unto you, he who believes in me. How many of you believe in him? How many believe in him? He who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do. And greater, greater works than these he will do. When was the last time we, we walked out the door and said, Jesus, today, help me to do greater things than you did. If you think that's a proud prayer, you're not understanding the greatness of God. You're living life, not humble. You're living life oppressed. Because, you know, people who are oppressed, they like to use the word humble. No, no, I'm just humble. No, you're not. You're oppressed. Jesus himself said he's already given us the authority to do greater things than he did. Our lives at times, it needs to change. And I'm not talking about actions. I'm talking about the way we see things, our perspective, our outlook. To wake up in the morning and say, Jesus, help me today, empower me today through the Holy Spirit to do greater things than what you did. Jesus himself said it. He's, he's giving you. The, the, the way we should pray, the way we should live. I want you to know that the moment you came to Christ, 
any hope for obscurity and any possibility for the ordinary was ruined. If you came to Christ, you said, oh, I just want to be normal. I just want to sit here. I just want to go to church and be a normal person. <laughs> That's not God's plans for your life. Any hope for the status quo was gone the moment you asked the King of Kings and Lord of Lords into your life. The Creator of heaven and earth abides in us. The power that roamed and hovered over the darkness of the earth and in a moment brought order to chaos, that spirit, guess where it lives? In here. How can we shoot for normal or ordinary? It's an oxymoron. It's impossible. That's why Christians don't fulfill God's call over their life. Because God is calling for this, and we're content with this. My message, my heart, my thought is that there would be an awakening in the church. And we say no more. No more am I going to settle for this when this is what God has for me. And maybe you're like me. You say, how am I supposed to get up there? That's too high. That's too impossible. Relax. To whom do we belong? Whom do we serve? That's the answer to how you're going to get up. That's the answer to how you're going to get up. Don't believe, well, I'm, I'm unprepared, I can't do it, blah, blah, blah. To whom do we belong and whom do we serve? The stage is set and the time for greatness, I believe, has come. Greatness awaits those people who recognize their opportunity. Their opportunity to be great men, great women and great young people. Great husbands and great wives. Great fathers and great mothers. To be great in their service and their devotion to the kingdom. And above all, to be a great example of Jesus Christ to the Father, to each other, and to this world. That's what people need today. That we be an example of Jesus Christ to the Father, to each other, and to the lost. That's what they need. There's a scripture in Isaiah chapter 60 verse 1. And I'm going to be kind to you because I've shared like six messages on greatness. And throughout this week, God gave me another thought on greatness that I'm going to share next week at church. But this, today, this morning, I'm going to share in Isaiah 60, verse 1, and the three points that come out of this scripture. And today, you, we, were, we were worshiping with songs that said, rise, arise, rise up. Well, it falls in line with that. Isaiah 60, verse 1 says, arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. Listen, if you're somebody here who's constantly saying, Lord, give me your glory, Lord, give me your light, wake up and read the scriptures. The Bible says your light has come. And where's the glory? It's already risen upon you. We just have to live in it. It's there. The light is here. The glory has come. It's already there. People who pray, Lord, bring me. Bring. It's there. It, it, don't get this the wrong way, but we're wasting our breath. Or is the Word of God wrong? No. The Word of God is infallible. So what's wrong is us. Our prayer, our perspective, our outlook, our revelation and understanding about God's greatness. Because greatness is reserved. Is that scripture up? Oh, all right, awesome. 
Arise and shine for your light has come and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. I want you to know this, that the glory of the Lord is reserved for whom? For those people who arise. Because there's people today that want the glory of the Lord, but they're not willing to rise up. There are crowds of people who want God's glory, but are not willing to rise up. And I'm letting you know now, when you rise up, you will rub people the wrong way. I shared this, this word on greatness in a church, and when I shared it, I lost three-fourths of the church on that word greatness. Because their understanding, their perspective said no. You're going to rub people the wrong way when you rise up. And you know what? Who cares? I'm not telling you to consciously offend people. That's not what I'm saying. But do you think Jesus cared that he offended the scribes and the Pharisees? He didn't care. He let the religious get offended. And when you rise up, those people who don't want to hear about greatness, those people who are intimidated by God's greatness and fear that desire to be great, they, they're scared to desire greatness, those people are going to get offended. Do you know what? I don't care. And you shouldn't either. Because God doesn't apologize for his greatness. Number one. His greatness is reflected as you maintain yourself pure. Do you know that first Timothy Paul is speaking to Timothy, who's like a son to him. He calls him his son. And Paul says to Timothy, keep yourself pure. I believe in prayer. I believe in accountability. So don't get me wrong with what I'm about to say here. But purity falls on you. Being accountable to somebody should not be your reason to keep yourself pure. Again, I believe in accountability. But purity falls on you. That whole thing about pray for me so I can stay pure, blah, blah. All right, I'm praying for you. I will, don't get me wrong. But Paul said to Timothy, keep yourself pure. Did Paul say, I want you to fast and pray and start an accountability group? Did Paul say that to Timothy? No. He said, if you care about purity, keep yourself pure. Don't allow yourself to become defiled or contaminated with this world. This world's views. Its interpretations of what's acceptable. Now, there's some pastors who all they want to do is blame the world for everything. The world is guilty of a lot of things. But you know what? The church is guilty about a lot of things as well. Because there are people who are defiled by the lazy Christians. And by the way, everything I'm saying here is an oxymoron. You can't be a lazy Christian. If you're a Christian, you're not lazy. And if you're lazy, you're not a Christian. Because the Bible says that those are that are led by the Spirit of God are what? Children of God. Those are the children of God. And I don't know if you've had a relationship with the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit has never told me, Javi, just chill out for a year and do nothing. Don't pray, don't read, don't evangelize, don't teach, don't grow. 
If the Holy Spirit's ever told you that, you better check your, your spiritual ears because you're not listening to the Holy Spirit. You know what also defiles the complacent Christian? That goes beyond laziness. The complacent Christian is not only lazy, but they make others lazy as well. You know that person that used to be involved in everything and all of a sudden, and every person they get, woo, they suck in. And that person used to be active, but since they've been around them, they've just, and they're just there. How about the bitter Christian? You know them? I don't know if there's any here, but there's a couple at the way. Those people are always there. And you want to tell them, smile, but you know they're trying. They're like, they're trying to smile. There's never any joy in their lives. Somebody is sharing a, a life-changing testimony. That, Give them time. Don't forget about that. Those things defile and they damage your purity. Endure. Somebody spoke here today about perseverance and going on. Do you know that greatness is reserved for those people who make it to the end? Listen, if you fail close to the finish line, you still what? Still fail. The Lord's not going to say, oh, you were so close, let me move the finish line back for you. The Bible says, I am saved and I stand by the word which has saved me, lest I fall short at the end and I believed in vain. Paul said that in 1 Corinthians. We have this concept that, well, they're trying. They're trying. Next time we have that idea, that concept, I want you to realize you're damaging your purity. Because the Christ that died and suffered on the cross, he didn't die and suffer and resurrect so that we would try. The Bible says greater is he that is in you. The Bible says that our faith has already overcome the world. Greatness is reserved for those people who endure. And listen, if you fall and get up and start crawling at least, move. Move. Get going. Don't stay there. You know that scripture that says the righteous may fall seven times, but seven times he will rise up. People use up those seven times like in the first month they get saved. <laughs> or we expect to fall. What is that? The Bible says the righteous may fall, but the righteous get back up. The righteous don't fall and stay there and bring people down and live in that. That's not the righteous. Greatness is reserved for those who endure. Keep pushing, keep pressing, keep going. Be valid. Listen, I'm sick and tired of people whose beliefs are invalid. Well, how is somebody's beliefs invalid? When they quote scripture one day, and then their life is exactly contrary to what they just quote. You 
whether you're a believer, whether you're a person with influence, there needs to be validity in our lives. And there are certain things that happen in this life where grace is necessary. Yes, but there are certain things in this life when it's just like, oh well, too bad. You have men and women of God compromising their beliefs. Several months ago, we had a very prominent pastor pastoring the second largest church in the state of Florida fall in adultery. Oh, well. Then you got people saying, well, that he's a man and we have to forget. Invalid. Invalid. The Bible says do not desire to be a teacher because you will have what? Stricter judgment. Our lives need to be valid. And if we fall and we become disqualified, well, guess what? Our lives were invalid. If we want greatness, we have to realize who God is. And there has to be validity in our lives. We get so consumed with all this other stuff. You know what my prayer to God is? Lord, let me be true to you, to your spirit, to my wife, to my children, and to your bride. That's it. Everything else is just gravy. It's added on. Because those are the things that keep me valid. Not a message that I preach or I travel here or I do this or I have this responsibility or this uh, position. No. To be true to him, to his spirit, to my wife, to my children and to his bride. That's going to make me a valid man. Somebody's going to say, that guy, how you? That guy's real. Yeah, there were some messages he was on, others I fell asleep, but that guy, he was valid. At the end of this life, that our lives be valid, that we don't get distracted with positions, with responsibility, with how our work grows or how our ministry grows, for you or anybody else. And don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to be insensitive. But when you have a certain responsibility before God, you have a certain responsibility for God. I don't care who you are. And at the end of this life, you will appear before the Lord and He will either say valid or invalid. Amen? Finally, if we're going to become great, we have to become powerful. Yes, a command to become powerful. That scripture, uh, Isaiah 60, can we put that scripture back up again? That word arise, the points that I've brought before you today, to be pure, to endure, to be valid, to become powerful, they're all derived from that word arise. They all come from that word arise. And that word, that statement, arise, shine, it's not an invitation. The Lord is saying, new life, I would really like for you to please, if you find time. For those who are willing, for those who would like to have my light and my glory, please, I want you to get around to it. Does that sound like the Holy Spirit? No, that's not the Holy Spirit. And that's not what the Spirit is saying there. Those words are a command. 
They're not an invitation to arise and shine. God is not inviting us to arise and shine. He is commanding us to arise and shine. Your life will become great when you realize that God empowers those who are willing to take a stand for Him. Just be willing to take a stand for God and you're going to see God empower you. And He will empower you with power you never had before. Why do we look at the power we presently have, analyze ourselves, and then say, I can and can't do this or that? I'm guilty of that. To look within myself and say, well, I've done this in the past. I think I can do this. No. He will empower those who are willing to stand for Him. Stand with me, if you would, this morning as I close. ask you to take a look at the scripture in Job. Job chapter 5. I'm here today and I want you to know that greatness awaits. Greatness awaits you. And greatness awaits you now. Don't wait for tomorrow to include it in your list of prayers. I'm inviting you. I'm encouraging you. I'm challenging you. To shoot for greatness now. Job chapter 5, verse 8 and 9. Listen to this. But as for me, I would seek God. And to God I will commit my cause. Who does great things. Unsearchable. Marvelous things. Without number. I will commit my cause to God who does great things, unsearchable, marvelous things, without number. That's the God we serve. How many of you say amen? That is the God that we serve. That is the God that we represent. That is the God that we are to reflect. A God who does great things unsearchable things marvelous things without number my God it's time we unveil ourselves and see God for who he is and aspire to live this life reflecting the God that we serve a great God who does great things unsearchable things marvelous things and without number I'm going to pray here today and I want to pray for those people who are going to commit their cause to him that's what Job said I'm going to commit my cause if you're willing to do that today right there with you where you are just raise your hand and I'm going to pray with you and I'm going to pray for you right there where you are I invite you to say to God I'm committing my cause to you I'm starting with me, with my relationships, my marriage, my children, 
the ministry you've entrusted me with. Every responsibility that I carry, O oh God, I'm committing my cause to you now. The God who does great things. The God who does unsearchable things. The God who does marvelous things. The God that does all these things without number. Lord, we commit ourselves to you. We commit our causes to you. Knowing that you are a great and awesome God. Transform those people who are content with mediocrity. Crush the ideas and hopes for normalcy today. We serve a great God. To whom belongs greatness, majesty, glory, victory, and power. Father, in Jesus' name, command your church to rise. Command your church to shine. For their light has already come and their glory, your glory, has risen upon them. We are yours. We belong to no one else. And we declare that we serve a great and awesome God every time we worship you, every time we praise you, every time we pray to you. And if we serve a great God, then your people will be a great people, performing great works, accomplishing great things, unsearchable things, marvelous things, things without number. That's who we're called to be. Not a people that have a handful of victories, a handful of testimony, and a knapsack filled with accomplishments. We serve a great God. And I declare right now, oh God, that greatness awaits your people. Greatness awaits us now. Allow us to reflect you in all that we are. That we stay pure. That we be valid. That we endure. And that we live this life in the power of your Holy Spirit. We thank you and we praise you today. In Jesus' name, be great and allow us to be great for you. Amen.